the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. Now, I am not typically, normally, a what you might refer to as a topical preacher. I'm not good at coming up with some neat idea that I can put up on the reader board two weeks before. With a four-point, three-point sermon where all the words start with the same letter, I'm not really good at that, but I did want to make sure today I I spoke, because it's Mother's Day, uh, not out of Daniel and the end of the world. And to be very frank, uh, last night when I went to bed at nine, and the young people goes, you must be old, you go to bed at nine. Yeah, you get up at three or four in the morning, you go to bed at nine too. But anyway, I didn't have a message. Because I just, you can always, when you've done this long enough, you can come up with one. I wanted a God one. I wanted something that God had spoken to me about. When I say spoken, I'm not hearing voices in the middle of the night. It's the impression of God's word. Okay, But in the middle of the night, I was awakened with a particular mother in mind. And And then I had a hard time getting back to sleep because the message was running through my mind. So we are not in Daniel today. We are actually in Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, when you're there, please stand. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's word. Okay, we will read 1 through 16. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She and an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. I would agree with that. So please go to my handmaiden. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. I know that sounds odd to us. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. And after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar the Egyptian, her maidservant, and gave her to her husband Abraham as his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised at her sight. Ow. Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. 
I have gave my maidservant into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I despised her sight. May the Lord, Lord judge between you and me. I like it. It was her idea. Now she's wanting to blame Abram for it. Okay. But Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, your maidservant is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarah treated her, that is Hagar, harshly. And Hagar fled from her presence. Now an angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maidservant, where have you come from and where are you going? Like he didn't know. And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, mistress, submit yourself to her. Moreover, the angel said, I will greatly multiply your descendants so they will be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child. She knew that. But you will bear a son. And you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. He'll be a guy of conflict. Okay? And he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, I have, have I ever even remained alive at e here even after seeing him therefore the well was called bir laham rohai laham rohai excuse me it is between kadesh and bered so hagar bore abraham or abram a son and abram called the name of his son whom hagar bore ishmael and abram was 86 years old when now I know many of you know this story but but we have people here and people who listen who are new in Christ or new to the church realm and therefore allow me to give some background just after I give the introduction so I'll give this introduction then I'm going to have to give the background and then we'll talk about how, what do we see here that could apply to us today, both as mothers and otherwise, okay? So, perhaps some of you today here or even watching or listening debated with yourself about coming to church on Mother's Day because for some, Mother's Day is painful. But I want you to know that this message today will bring you comfort. Some of you are here today are not mothers because, for one, you're male uh, and you can't change that. Um, or you're single. Or you chose not to have children. Or medically, you could not have children. But everyone in this room and everybody listening at one time was a child. One thing I know about children, and I just watched this last night in my household, children like to be watched. They like to be seen and noticed as I watched my 23-year-old daughter walk into the room with the cake she made and want mom to look at it. 
Doesn't change at 23. But, you, Mom, look. Mom, watch. Mom, look. And if you don't do it immediately, what do you get? Come on, Mom, watch. Mom, look. And you look. Right? But you didn't look long enough. Mom, watch. No matter what goofy thing you were doing or the talent you thought you had, moms watched. As children, we were all doing that. As a mother, I think sometimes you have to ask the question, does anybody ever see me? Hello over here. Does everybody heads off to the other room after dinner to play Monopoly or watch a TV show and there's mom standing in the kitchen. Does anybody, hey, hey, if you guys remember, uh, but the children always want to be seen. How about this one, mom? I'm sure you've never said it or heard your mom. Can't you see I'm on the... Yeah. All right. Do you even notice what I'm doing here? Okay. Sometimes as a mom, but I would suggest all of us at times wish we were seen or noticed more. You hate feeling invisible. You guys remember, now I remember the old, 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 old black and white one, in particular the Abbott and Costello one, the invisible man. How lonely it really is when you're not seen. Um, have you ever done this one? To, particularly probably to your teenage child. Um, take out the trash. An hour later, right? You're looking in the kitchen. Why didn't you take out the trash like I told you? Oh, I, did, I, I didn't hear you, Mom. Sometimes you feel like you're not heard. Not you're not seen. Hello, anybody in there? Are you hearing me? Where are we getting out of bed so early this morning? I told you guys we have to go. Well, I didn't hear you. Or that you're off gone somewhere together. All right? Whether it's the attendant at the grocery store or or the person at the restaurant looks at your young one as you're standing there next to them and says something, something like this. Oh, so who have you brought with you today? And your child goes, oh, nobody. It's just mom. A nobody? What do you mean I'm a nobody? I'm somebody. I, I'm important. You, sometimes as a parent or as a person, you want to be seen and heard acknowledged, feel like you've got something important to give. Today I want to share with you this story of Hagar, a mom. A mom who felt unheard, unseen, and unimportant. So even though I read today from Genesis 16, the story carries over all the way into Genesis 21. Let me set the stage for you. In Genesis 13, God calls a very rich man, I'm quoting from 13 and 2, named Abram, who was 75 at the time, to leave the city of Ur in Mesopotamia, okay, and go to where God's going to tell him. He doesn't tell him. He says, just get your stuff, go. But as he leaves, there's a famine in the land, so he goes to Egypt 
While there has a difficult problem, a communication problem, I guess, with the Pharaoh who eventually escorts him out of Egypt and his family. While there, though, most scholars feel this is where it took place, he obtains a slave, a young maiden, to be his wife's maidservant. Now, we want to think, perhaps, being a rich fellow, he did actually purchase Hagar. Perhaps Hagar, though, there was family debt. Dad had passed away, maybe, or the debt has to be paid, so you would pay with your children. I know that seems odd today, but we just run our government into debt and let our children pay for it later. Okay? We're not sure how, but at some point, Hagar becomes the property of Abram and Sarah, or Sarai. Excuse me, God changes their names later. I'm going to try to keep on track here. Changes it to Abraham and Sarah, but I'm going to I default to that. Okay? Being from Egypt, if you traveled from Egypt to generally the area of Israel, Palestine today, I know you could get there pretty quickly today, but not when you're walking. Hagar is pulled away from everything she knows. Her culture, her religion, her family. Into a situation she didn't choose to be in. This wasn't her choice. Life just happened to her, and here she is. She probably feels like her life's out of her control. And I know no mom's ever felt that way. But you know, then it gets worse. Sarai, the one she's serving, God had made a promise to Abraham that he would have a child of his own, but Sarai's not becoming pregnant because she's like 70 or something at this point. I don't remember exactly. She decides that Hagar is going to be a surrogate mother. Pretty much that's it. That she's going to ask Hagar, not ask, tell Hagar that she's going to bear a child that's really going to be by inheritance and otherwise would be Sarai's child. No thanks. If I was, I, I choose not to do that. Um, uh, we don't, as you're a slave, you don't get that option. Now I want to make a side note. God never sanctions, condones, this kind of thing. It was a cultural thing of their day. God has ordained that marriage between one man and one woman. Would you understand that? Just because somebody does something wrong in Scripture and it's in the Bible doesn't mean God sanctions, approves that. Matter of fact, God himself in the Ten Commandments would call this adultery. I want you, this is a big thing. Not only did Sarah not have a choice to be a slave, she didn't have a choice about being a mom. Today, that might come into our culture by, you know, when a woman is forced into relationships. I'm saying it like that. We have a mixed audience today. Our culture says today, if a child is conceived that way, you can kill it. Even conservative folks say that. Okay? But she's forced into motherhood. In 16 and 5, it says, Sarai despised her. Not just didn't like her. Well, Sure, I'll bet. Sounded like a good idea at first. 
Abraham or Abram avoids the whole drama. Men never do that, right, ladies? Your husband never avoids the drama. And just goes, hey, whatever you want to do, you do. Keep me out of this. And so she begins to treat Hagar and this child harshly. Hagar chooses to run until she runs into a wall. Literally, she runs to the well. It sure, sure means wall. She's overwhelmed by her situation, didn't think before she acted, because what's the punishment for runaway slaves? Yeah, even in that culture, it's death penalty. This angel appears to her and tells her that the child she has in her womb is male. His name should be Ishmael. And to go back to this mean lady that's mistreating you, go back into that slavery and continue to be treated like this. Uh, wait a minute here, angel. I'm not sure you understand my... Have you seen the situation I'm in? Have you, have you been watching? You want me to go back to that? That's what I'd say. But she returns. There she refers to God as, why we have heard it probably this way, Jehovah Rohi, the God who sees. She's just a slave. Nobody really cares about. Nobody even notices, but she recognizes this. God sees. He sees the situation. He sees where she's at. He knows what's going on. And still, that angel tells her to go back. See, sometimes we think when God sees our situation, he just gets us out of it. God sees you in the midst of it. Whether you're a mother or anybody else, this holds true for you as well. Thirteen years later, Sarai conceives a son. She's 90. Abraham or Abram is 99. Yeah, she was probably pretty sure this wasn't going to happen. I mean, Hagar. She was thinking that at least I'm going through this for my son Ishmael because he'll be one who inherits everything from this rich guy. Uh-oh, then Sarai has a son. Guess what? That puts her boy. Bottom of the list. No longer a surrogate for Sarai. By this point, eventually, at when he's weaned, when, when Isaac, that's the child of Abraham and Sarah, is weaned in chapter 21. By this point, Hagar's been in Abraham's household, or Abram's household, for about 15 years. Ishmael, the Bible tells us, is 13 years old. He makes fun of, in some way, Either Isaac, they're not sure, or the ceremony that has when a child is weaned and moves from what we would say infant to toddler, mocks it in some way. Sarah's had enough. She goes to Abraham and says, kick the lady and the boy out. Abraham has a problem with her. He doesn't want to do this. 
And guess what God tells him to do? Kick her out. What? A homeless single mom. Abraham, the next day, puts together some bread, some water. And I, I would imagine, this is in my mind. I mean, you know, you've been a slave for 15 years. I'm giving you your freedom. Somehow put it in a positive light. You're no longer, I, I, now you can leave and nobody will kill you. You're free to go. Great. Thanks. It's nice to be free, but. My situation has changed. What, what I hoped for has happened, but what I got doesn't quite look like I thought it would. Eventually, the water runs out. This 13-year-old boy, the Bible says, is crying. He knows what's ahead. Out in the desert with water, out water, what happens? Hagar's being tough, though. It'll be all right. The Bible says he lays him down in the shade, and she goes far enough away where Ishmael can't hear her cry. And there she begins to weep and cry out. And then another angel appears and says this, God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. I think the where he is is important. On the verge of dying of thirst, in the middle of a desert, you find some shade and God hears right where you are. They weren't in church. They weren't at a prayer meeting or a Bible study. Small group weren't there. God heard. Ishmael means exactly that. God hears or the God who hears. When God said, name him Ishmael, did he know this day was coming? Oh, yeah. These circumstances were not out of God's control. And he says, this angel goes on to say, that God will make from Ishmael a great nation. And Genesis chapter 25, it lists the descendants, the many descendants of Ishmael, who, by the way, lived to be 137 years old. Now, at that moment, Hagar's thinking they're dying in the desert. God said, dude, dude, I got 137 years planned for this boy. And no matter what the situation is, he is not going to die till I determined that he would. By the way, Ishmael is what we would say is the, you know, progenitor of the, what we would say the Arab nations in parts of Egypt as well, Okay. And if I counted it up, and I actually did this once, I mean, I know of Coptic Christians in Egypt, there's about 11 million. I'm not sure what there is in the rest of the part of that area. But I think the last time I looked in the general Palestine area, there was like 1.6 million Christians there of Arab descent. Hagar, I know you think like you're a nobody, but I've got something planned. 
for your son. By the way, Ishmael actually shows up at Abraham's funeral and helps bury him. So this schism in the family uh, is somehow mended at this point. But when God said that your son will be one of those guys that's he's constantly in conflict with his neighbors, just watch the Middle East. I know we think we can fix it by a peace treaty, but God had said something. You're not going to change it. What we can see from this mother's story, this isn't growing up, marrying your high school sweetheart, okay? Buying a nice house in the suburbs and raising your kids. This is a woman who's forced into slavery, forced to be a mother, treated harshly, eventually thrown out. But we learn from this, God sees, he knows our situation. You may, today, when we're talking about mothers, you might have bad memories. You may not have had, may not have had a good mom. God saw all of it. Maybe today you look at yourself and you go, well, I'm, I, I try, but I'm not that great of a mom. God knows that. He sees that. But this doesn't just apply to moms. It applies to everybody in this room. Whatever situation is, however hard it is, God sees it. He knows it. He's there in it with you, watching every bit of it. God is in control and he is trustworthy no matter what your situation is. See, sometimes when we look at the situation, we go, hey, God, where are you? I have seen so many. Where is God in a worldwide pandemic? The same place he was before there was one. Where was God when my struggle, my thing, my death, where is God? The same place he was when his son died. He's there in the moment. He's seeing every bit of it. He's trustworthy. But not only does he see your situation and see your tears, he hears your cries in the midst of your distress. You might be at the kitchen sink washing dishes and you're just, it's overwhelming you and tears are coming down your, your face and all, God help us in this situation. God, I can't take it. God, what am I going to He hears your prayers. Even those spoken in a moment of distress when you're not on your knees, you're not saying thee and thou. You don't hold, not holding the Bible in your hand. It's just one of those moments you had a fight with your husband or your wife. Okay, and you're just about had enough. And you, oh God, you got to fix this. He heard that. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, 
Idaho 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.